Hello and welcome. <laughs> My name's Goose. <laughs> My name's Gabby. Sorry, that was I got. I was waiting got, for that full exhale. Then I got really distracted halfway through. Which is <laughs> bizarre. Wonderful. Anyway, my name's Goose, your name's Gabby, yes. and of course, if you are listening to this and you don't know where you are, well, I think you need to ask yourself a few serious questions because you are, of course, inside, listening to, you're in and around, submerged in, on top of, and all of the other different ways you can interact with something, the Investor Lab. Welcome back. Welcome. <laughs> I think it might be one of the best intros that we've done. That's great. Um, so of course this is the auditory and visual epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice and abundance, specifically through investing successfully in real estate. Yes. This is hunting hotspots number four, right? This is the fourth key driver that drives growth and property markets around the country, right? I think it's the fifth episode in the series, but it's, it's core driver number four. Number four. All right, so some of the stuff we've covered in the past, if you've missed it, is urban renewal programs, um, natural gentrification, and in transport and infrastructure. This episode, we're going to be talking about lifestyle features. So we're talking water, we're talking golf courses, we're talking beaches, we're talking cosmopolitan living, shopping, cafes, bars, all the good stuff. Totally. And we talk a lot about Bondi Beach because that's where we are. And we moved here because of the lifestyle feature. So it's super relevant. But everything we talk about in this episode can be applied more broadly in any capital city or in any major regional center anyway. The same principles apply. We didn't just talk about water and golf courses and cafes and shops, even though they are the core pieces that drive the lifestyle features. And in fact, not all water and not all sections of the golf course are created equal. That's fascinating. But We also talk about why and how lifestyle features are becoming one of the key drivers throughout this coronavirus 2020, you know, pandemic, recessionary period that we're all currently swimming around in. So, and we also talk about the fact that when you find good good location, good lifestyle locations, they demand sometimes 60 to 80% more of a premium than other locations and how that could potentially be a key indicator for what we can expect to see in other areas as people move towards these locations. Did I miss anything, Gabby? Nope. Okay. What else did we cover? Anything we sort of talk about some of the, uh, oh, we spoke about volatility a little bit as well. Yes. Because whilst lifestyle can be such a really great driver, it can also be a harbinger of volatility. So you need to watch out for that too. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Make sure you pair this like a nice club sandwich with all of, with all of the other hunting hotspots episodes because together... These are your keys to finding the right location. And as ever, make sure you're getting like three or four of these drivers all in any one place. And if you want to jump ahead, if you're like, oh my God, this series is great, but it's taking too long, <laughs> just head to theinvestorlab.com.au. You can download the, um, what's it called, Gabby? What's that resource called? Uh, how to find a real estate hotspot. How do I do PDF. Def- yeah, how to, that's it. Just go there. In <laughs> fact, in fact, for those studious among you and those ambitious and entrepreneurial, you can get everything that you need to go and successfully invest in real estate just by listening to this podcast or going to the investorlab.com.au and downloading some of the free resources we've got, including my book, Limitless Renegade's Guide to Building Wealth Through Property. You can get that there. But if you don't want to go and do that, if you're like, look, man, I'm not here to go to school. <laughs> and if you want someone to help you do it, well, this is what we do every single day of the week. Every day, 
even Sundays. We help people to successfully invest in real estate, help, help them build property portfolios that, that pay them money, go up in value, and are cushioned from any economic downturn. Yes, even the current one. So if you're into that kind of stuff, if you want to have higher levels of success and with way lower risk, then I recommend you should reach out to us. And you can do that from theinvestorlab.com.au. There's a little contact us, a little spot you can get us right there. Or you can head to dashdot.com.au forward slash discovery and you can book in a call with uh, probably me or maybe one of the team. Cool. Yay! <laughs> well, look, enough gas bag and let's get stuck into it because there's a lot of good stuff in here. Spring has sprung, buying season has begun, so make sure you get them right in and around it. And of course, if you found this beneficial in any way, shape or form, then please like, rate, review, share, comment, do all the other good thumbs stuff. Thumbs up everywhere. All Th the thumbs up. Thumbs up. We really appreciate you being on this journey with us and I hope you appreciate us being on this journey with you. And without any further ado, I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Woo. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. You know who I am and I'm here with my mate, Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hey, Hello. mate. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know where this voice is coming from. Neither do I, but... What is going on? The sun is shining. It is officially the end of winter now. Spring Which... has sprung. Buying season has begun. Ooh. It's officially buying How season. exciting. Get out your hunting hats and your, and, your, and your property guns and... Should we own a hunting hat? I'm not sure. It seems like something... As property buyers, we should. <laughs> Does it? Does it seem? Yeah, <laughs> the classic uniform of a buyer's agent. <laughs> Crikey. Need a, need a wolfhound and a, and a, and a buying hat. Okay. All right. Go. I'm going to get one for the next episode. I'm going to see if we can do a little dress up. It's so going to change the game. <laughs> How are you today, Goose? Very well, thank you. Why? Well, great question. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> you got me with one of those classic questions. Um, <laughs> so I'm great. I'm great. So the sun is shining, as you said. Spring has sprung. We live in a beautiful part of the world. Um, I've been, look, when the sun comes out, I, everything changes for me. I think, I'm sure I look the same for a lot of people, but God, I just love it. I love the way the, the light is in the air and the, and the temperature, of the air changes and the coolness and the warmness and all of the stuff. And I'm just like, I get so, I get, I get drunk on the beauty of life <laughs> when, when the sun starts to come out a little bit and it's, oh my God, it's so it is genuinely so impactful for me. But the other th side of that is, I mean, that can kind of happen anywhere and it, and it does. But, um, you know, it's, only, it's been about a year since we first ever arrived in Bondi Beach. Mm -hmm. and, and I've been reflecting on that, particularly over this past weekend, with the sun out and everything like that, and thinking just how lucky and, and how grateful I am that we live in this beautiful lifestyle location. Yeah. I, I, love, I love the birds and the sounds of the birds that tend to come out when the sun is out. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we've Makes had my heart happy. Yeah, we have birds <laughs> cruising, like hanging out on our window sills, and you God. were feeding them almonds. Before. <laughs> I wasn't feeding the wild animals. They're the healthiest cockatoos you've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> They're <Yeah>. vegan. <laughs> they, they, eat, they eat organic 
seeds and nuts from Goose McCraw. What if they eat meat? And meat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, what are we talking about today, Gabby? What are we actually talking aside from Aside from meat eating vegan cockatoos, yes. what are we talking about today? Craze. We are up to episode four of the Hunting Hotspot series, which we're going to talk about, coincidentally, lifestyle features. Absolutely. And lifestyle features, I think, are... Super, you know, I think this conversation is really, really relevant to be having right now, and I'm going to talk about why. Yep. But also, like, lifestyle features are the single reason that we currently live in Bondi Beach. Yes. Right. So we moved. We moved from. Uh, we actually moved from Geelong, but in more broadly, in, from, from Melbourne. We only lived in Geelong for what, about eight months or something, right? Mm. So it's not like we were like from Geelong per se, but more broadly, we moved from Melbourne, Geelong. It, to, to Bondi Beach for the lifestyle. We looked at it, we were like, wow, had all these amazing, um, you know, features and we were just like, we could see ourselves there and you get in this cosmopolitan dream and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to be like Hugh Jackman and oh, things are great. And that's why we moved here. Everyone here is Hugh Jackman. Yeah. It's just many, many Hugh Jackmans around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, big Hugh. So like the reason, like there's three types of lifestyle features that have the biggest impact in the value of real estate. A lot of people talk about water. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about water. You know, uh, water has kind of got this reputation as being sort of the, the millionaire maker in, in real estate. You get waterfront, water views. God, how many times have you seen something listed, particularly around here, where it would be like ocean views and it's like, if you go into one specific room and if you squish your head up against a door frame and look mm-hmm. at it at just the right time of day, you can see about a, a five cent piece size of the water. Ocean views. Mm-hmm. And that's a big catch cry that, um, that tries to drive the world, tries to or does drive up values in properties. Um, so, but there's, there's water. There's also golf courses. Interesting. We'll talk about that in a little minute. And lifestyle precincts. What do you mean by lifestyle precincts? Um, so areas where people want to congregate to have a good time. All right. So Bondi Beach is a really great example. I'm going to talk about Bondi a lot because we're here and we understand it. So beach, water, great, awesome. Uh, and there's also we, where we live right now, we overlook the golf course, which is great. So we're like a couple of minutes from the water, from the beach. We overlook a golf course where we live. That's great. But there's also all of these like cafes and bars and restaurants and, you know, and there's just a lot of activity. You can cruise down the street and there's people watching and it's, and it's a hub. Like people come to Bondi because, you know, to go out for dinner, but also like out of the beach. And lifestyle, lifestyle, uh, life, uh, lifestyle precincts are typically designed to bring people together in one central place as opposed to just, you know, a shopping strip or a, or a shopping center or something like that. Make sense? Mm, so it's like a, it's a deliberate social structure, I suppose. Yeah, a bit of a cosmopolitan vibe. You know, like if you've got, if they've got an acai bar, you're probably in a lifestyle precinct. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get, your, if you can get your Buddha bowls, you know, like, you know, and it, it's, that kind of, it's that kind of thing. And we, I think macadamia we, lattes. Macadamia lattes. I think that is actually what has driven the prices up in Bondi so it's much. Macadamia milk. It's all the macadamia milk that they get pouring <laughs> around around here. It just <laughs> it makes sense. Flows into the it market. It definitely makes well, sense. With the price of macadamia milk lattes, everything else goes up. Anyway, so anyway, so the the big thing about water. Let's talk about water for a minute, though, because there's, there's a couple of interesting things here. People don't understand how golf courses impact prices. We're going to talk about that a little bit. 
I also want to talk about why lifestyle drivers are one of the biggest, like one of, if not the biggest um, uh, swinging factor that's driving up prices during this challenging economic time that we're having. Coronavirus. Did you, did you know? <laughs> did you know there's a pandemic? Did you know that there's did a virus? Know? You heard it here first. <laughs> anyway, if you heard it here first, don't go outside. Listen to anything it's probably else. a little late for you. Anyway, so, <laughs> okay, so some people try and rank different waters in different ways. It's not all waters oh. made equal because I once lived in a house that had a really big puddle at the end of the driveway, like massive. Like you couldn't get out of the drive mm. without getting your feet wet. Yeah. That was not Great kind of- water waterside location though. <laughs> <laughs> I made little paper Put boats. I made paper, little paper boats, and I was like, "Oh, look at the yachts!" Um, Taking Instagram photos of your paper yachts. Yeah, so puddles don't count as waterfront. Oh, really? Right? No, oh. And unfortunately, overflowing gutters not the same. Right? <laughs> We've all been there. We've all lived there. <laughs> That's true, right? So why not? Well, because it's all about desirability. So what we're really talking about here with lifestyle, right? What we're really talking about lifestyle features is it's this is a huge part of the psychographic drivers now if you if you don't if you want to go deep into the psychographic versus demographic thing there's another podcast episode that we did which is awesome yeah like totally dynamite and kind of stuff you're not going to hear in the normal banal kind of drivel that you'd hear in most property podcasts go and check it out it's really good i can't remember what episode it is but it's great it's one of my favorites now what we're really talking about with lifestyle drivers as we are almost talking purely about psychographics because what we're talking about is the emotional and esoteric elements which make people desirous of living in a certain location which is why some water or some parts of a golf course would demand bigger premiums than others. So if you think about it like this, um, if, you, if you had a choice between um, living in a house that had absolute water frontage that faced north and faced uh, the ocean versus a, we'll say a waterfront uh, that, that faced north, we'll say the same thing, faced north but was on a river, what do you think would demand a bigger premium? There's no wrong answer. The first one. It is the first one. <laughs> it is the first one. And largely that's because of, you know, there's a few different reasons, but largely because of our, uh, some innate, um, you know, intangible desire to, to have that kind of environment. Partly also, I believe, because there's a huge psychological piece that when you can see the horizon, it changes the expansiveness of the way you view the world in that there are less limits and less boundaries, oh. right? And so I think there's a few different pieces around that. But when we think about success, anyone who's ever done a vision board or anything like that, and I've done a number, you, you, you typically, oh, yeah, I want to live in a beach house. And everyone has this idea of living at the beach as though that it's, it's, some, it's going to be the key to them having a successful life. And that's, and that's the key differentiation. You know, at the end of the day, water's water. You could live next to a river. It's still water, isn't it? Um, but I can tell you, if you live in, if you live in uh, Warrandyte in Melbourne, and you have a creek running through your property that's not going to get the same price as if you had an absolute beach frontage in, in Vaucluse, for example, which I think is actually north-facing and on the water. Oh, right? yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense, right? So, uh, so the kind of like some people, now I don't have the maths behind this, but some people believe that the, the order, the hierarchy 
of value goes in this order. So north-facing property onto ocean frontage or views. And I think this lends into the idea of having that expansiveness in your, in your viewpoint and it changes the way you view the world around you. East-facing property onto ocean frontage or views, so north first, then east. And then north-facing property onto canals without restrictions to open water access. So you're basically talking like an inlet, right? You're basically sort of pretty much water. So kind of Noosa is a good example of that. Mm. Uh, And then rivers and lakes and all of the other kind of stuff is all kind of lumped together. Thoughts on that, Gabby? Comments, commentary? I mean, it makes sense, right? There's that desirability of, as you said, people just want to live by water. They want to have a nice view. They want to feel the nice sun in the nicest angle possible. So the the angle and the and the direction that they face makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, absolutely. I, I'm desirous of that. I think yeah. I think a lot of people innately are, and so I don't think it's. I think that it's a very hard thing to quantify. Like specifically, why is that? Is that the thing? But I think there's a deep part of us that we all believe it. No, we all want to live near the beach and and all of that kind of stuff too. Mm. Here's a little bit of a curveball. For a long period of time, people are saying that golf courses with the new beachfronts. Mm. I don't know if I agree with that either. That sound, that sound was that was a sound like that sounds like crap. We love the beach though, so yeah, that's true. But we do overlook a golf course. So, and in fact, in fact, um, overlooking a golf course, I think, lends into the views components. So this is my analysis of why that is the case and why why golf courses. Are, so, so typically, when you actually do look at property prices that surround a golf course or ha- overlook a golf course property prices are significantly higher than if they were just like one street back. Now, when you think about it like that, it kind of makes sense because if you're next to typically a, basically a large parkland that is very green and also has lifestyle benefits like, you know, people associate playing golf with relaxing and having time freedom and money freedom and all this. You know, it doesn't cost much money to get a ball and hit it with a stick. It's golf, right? But the association, the, the association of the pastime is when you have achieved a certain, maybe you've retired or whatever, and it's created. It's got this sent this uh, overtones of uh, freedom and affluence and all that kind of stuff as well. So I believe that there's um, this again lends into that psychological component. But then also when you're looking out at a golf course, it's typically very green and open and well manicured, and and so you've got all these kind of overlays as well, which is why if you can see a golf course versus being one street back from a golf course, it's not they're completely different kettles of fish does that make sense Mm, yeah it definitely does yeah and so one of the interesting things is that um that it was a study that i read that analyzed houses specifically that were on the biggest fairways that overlooked the biggest fairways of golf courses got the greatest premiums Mm. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) well that makes sense right i'm just thinking through that views the views concept and yep. it's like where we used to live it was on the ground floor and I used to comment a couple of times about I didn't like being on the ground floor which yep. is it's interesting because it's like a lifestyle feature right just that I didn't like it um, <laughs> I didn't like it <laughs> but because I'm aware that I'm a lot happier and I think most people are happier when they do have that view so now we're in where we are now and we've got We've got a view of the golf course one way and then we've got a view out to vista of hills and houses, so like house stops that way. 
and I love it. I love sitting by the window and being able to just look out and you're right. You feel like you have a better perspective on the world, like the further that you can see from your abode. (laughs) I can sit here safely in my place and I can see many other things and I feel satisfied and happy. Yeah. It's a weird. Which is the same reason why the top, why the top apartment in an apartment building is always the most expensive. Mm. You know, like even in the ones, even in the ones that you know, old school maybe didn't have a lift. It's like, man, you got to walk up all those stairs. It's harder to get in and get out of, but it'd still be more expensive. Yeah, which is really interesting because you have a more expansive view. It's not always about convenience. You think about it, like if you're in a, I don't know, a ten-story apartment block, and you live on the top floor, you're going to have an amazing view, but you're also going to have to spend the most time in the lift, and like there's all these other kind of things, but it kind of doesn't really matter as much but here's the thing lifestyle i believe is one of the current biggest drivers in the current uh, economic climate or particularly in the property market that's pushing people moving people around yeah for sure yeah because i think people have realized that you know a lot of time they live in places of convenience could be Parramatta, could be carlton could be whatever could be footscray and um and these kind of areas that uh, may be very convenient and to a certain degree held a degree of lifestyle appeal as in they were close enough to cafes and shops and bars and friends. But now that everyone's kind of in a position where they don't, and well, more, more specifically as well, closer to economic centers where they'd have work. But now that people can work from home, work from Zoom, mo- like most people can work remotely, even if it is, 60 to 70% of the time and not 100%, mm. they're still gaining that freedom. Now, what and we, I kind of spoke about this in an episode with Terry Ryder, which was really good, called um, uh, Fiscal Cliff is a Lie. Check that out because that was also awesome. Um, but we kind of talked about this idea that, that people are now realizing that they can live where they want. Mm, yep. And now people are going, well, where do I want to live? Yeah. What is the thing that I'm after the most? And we're seeing this huge push to regional centres because a lot of people are after just a, a bit of a quieter lifestyle. So we'll talk about tree and sea change in another episode because it's a whole it's a whole different dynamic there. Um, but it is one of the reasons that we've seen people, say, for example, moving towards Central Coast, moving out of the cities. I don't believe that the city is going to turn into a ghost town anytime soon or anything like that. But it, we're definitely, like, for example... Searches in some regional towns in Victoria, as people are trying to get out of CBD Melbourne, searches have gone up by 170% in 30 days. Crazy. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, that's driven by lifestyle more than anything else. And in fact, I had a coaching call with one of our clients uh, last week, and they were asking about this too. They were, we were talking about that, and, and they live in Sydney. And even they've noticed, you know, that, that, that there's a progressive push. Like, why would you live, why would you live in the city or in a and in a suburban location that doesn't have many lifestyle features when you could, let me t- take a little step back. I spoke to someone who came, who came to me uh, to speak to me the other day and they lived in um, uh, a sort of like a, a mid inner West um, uh, Sydney suburb, but they worked in the city. Mm-hmm. And I said, how long does it take you to commute into the city on an average day? And he said, I think he said about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes. And I just got up Google maps and I was like, well, why don't we just have a look at what you, where else you could live? Which other direction could you go? Yeah, maybe just go in a different direction. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he had a bit of a meltdown because he was like, oh, my God, I can go live near the beach. I was like, you can do whatever you want, mate. Um, so, and this is the kind of thing that I think people are starting to, starting to really align themselves with. Yeah, I think it's like interesting, the word align, because I think it is about 
this time is kind of having people realign their values. Like I think for the past, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, it's been a, there's been a shift to prioritizing employment and work and that is your nine to five and that's you base the rest of your life around that. But as we, as we move into more of a digital space and people can actually achieve their work from wherever they like, and they actually have a much higher value and they're being reminded of the value of being closer to family and being closer to people that they care about above work. Like everyone's always cared about being close to people that they care about, but prioritizing it above work, prioritizing it above the need to be physically close to your place of employment um, and, and deciding that actually I can live a good life and I can live in a place that is easy access to things that I enjoy and I can, you know, I can do my work and do my work as well as I could do from sitting in an office, but I can do it from my home or I can do it from a different place and I can, it it doesn't make a difference, but everyone then feels more empowered and happy and genuinely a better existence because people are actually prioritizing them their wellness and their their happiness so i think it's really exciting i think it's i think it's super exciting because there's a there's there's that there's that component that you just talked about which i wholeheartedly agree with then there's also the other like property market uh, component of it which yeah. i think is really really interesting because when you look at the typical areas which are you know icons of lifestyle which like bondi beach noosa byron yeah, there's like we all know like St Kilda in Melbourne stuff like that. You know, beachside locations, places where there's a bit of cosmopolitan activity. Um, there's there's water, and there's probably going to be a golf course because I'll probably build a golf course. And they've got all these kind of things going on for them, right? We all know those places. We all know that they're all really expensive as well. In fact, on average, places that have got strong lifestyle drivers, so good cosmopolitan cafe shops, uh, entertainment areas, and you know, places to get out and about in, in the sun and the sand and the surf are typically typically priced about 60 to 80% higher than the rest of the market, which is really interesting. And I don't think that comes as a shock. Anyone who's ever looked at a property price in Bondi will probably not be shocked by that. Hmm. However, what is really interesting about that is that is how that may change property prices in in locations more broadly because as people let's just say move from sydney to central coast or i know we've spoken about yamba i'm going to continue to speak about yamba but imagine (laughs) but but like you know people moving even further up the coast to places like yamba you know these or moving further down the coast or in fact if you know in fact what's even happening in ballarat and bendigo right now is we're seeing we're actually seeing a new a, like a recycle uh, a cycle resurgence is, is kind of thing because it sort of reached the peak of its cycle a, a little bit and then now because people are leaving melbourne and trying to get out into ballarat and bendigo we're actually seeing a, a another price another price surge happening in in bendigo and ballarat so what what i think is really interesting is is we're probably going to see a little bit more of a uh, a disaggregation of price sensitivity. And so what I mean by that is we're likely to see other areas with their prices going up asymmetrically to some of the more traditional lifestyle locations because people realize they can get what they want out of those really expensive places. They can get them out of a slightly cheaper place. It might not be the same. It might not be Bondi Beach, but I can tell you that the, the price differentiation 
is going to be absolutely worth it. And I, I see that being a huge price driver, uh, particularly over the coming over the coming months and even even over the coming couple of years. Yeah, but it's kind of like like you said, like these kind of areas, you're not surprised by the prices as they currently are, but this kind of discussion is what causes those prices, you know? Like they are where they are, but something had to happen. There had to be some level of desirability for it to even be the baseline, if that yep. makes sense. hundred percent. It's like, well, you know, if you were to, let's just talk again, we'll talk about Bondi a little bit, but let's just say you wanted to buy an apartment in Bondi. I don't know what, like, Let's just say you were going to spend one point five million on an apartment in Bondi for maybe a two bedroom. I'm not really sure. I don't really look at apartments in Bondi, to be honest. But if you were to take even if you would actually cut that that budget in half and go, well, I don't have say one point five million. I've got seven hundred and fifty thousand, but I really like to live near the beach. And I love some cafe and some cafes and some community. You could probably go up to the north central coast mid-central coast, something like that, and find somewhere for 750000 There won't be a two-bedroom apartment. It will actually be a four-bedroom house on a large block so you can have your family there, so you can have a backyard and live near the beach and there'll be some cool shops there and actually probably much more of a community environment so you can get to know people a little bit better and feel less isolated, which serves the social function of keeping us all happy as a community. It's like it's suddenly, it's, it's a game changer. It's a total game changer. And it, it's, this, it's this kind of mentality which is what's driving up prices all along the surf coast in, um, in Victoria. You know, I was, I've read so many articles about people just going, oh, we were sort of thinking about moving down to the Ballerine Peninsula sometime in the next five years. But actually, now that we can work on Zoom, we're moving there right now. Yeah. You know, I've heard so many stories about people who have moved to uh, regional centres, like sometimes tiny country towns and sometimes major regional centres, um, chasing their lifestyle without having a job to go to, not knowing what they're going to do, but just going, look, I can just move there and it costs me you know, a third to two thirds as much as it does cost me to live in the city and I can have a much better life doing it. And the same thing is happening in Sydney, the same thing is happening in Melbourne. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. It's happening in Sydney and Melbourne more than any other place because of price sensitivity, which is actually one of the biggest down, downfalls with the classic lifestyle driver locations because they, have, they command a higher premium. But when people think about affordability, that top starts to come off in a much more meaningful way or at least growth slows down. So this is actually become, becoming one of the things that's pushing people away. They're going, well, Melbourne's really expensive and Sydney is really expensive. Rents are really expensive. Property prices are really expensive. Could I have... I mean, hell, could I get the same kind of experience living in Adelaide or even Perth, you know, and this is what's actually pushing people to start moving around and why we're going to see a lot of interstate migration, particularly over the coming months. What do you think of that rent? <laughs> it stopped very suddenly, didn't I? <laughs> anyway, but that, was, but that was my point. And I think we're saying, I think, you know, it doesn't take a genius to kind of see all that kind of stuff going on because I guarantee pretty much everyone's had the thought. You know, why would you, like, why, why do you want to be in a place like Melbourne, lockdown aside? You know, what is the thing that is keeping you there and why? Yeah, and I think because there's a lot of, um, a lot of un, unaware values that people have carried where they think that they need to live near a city when maybe they really don't. Yep. Yeah. 100%. And it's interesting as well because uh, I was having a conversation with a friend um, a couple of weeks ago who was having this exact conversation in their household. They're like, why do we even live here? You know, why, why specifically, why do we even live? They live in Melbourne. 
why do we even live here? And they started analysing it and they started thinking, well, is it family? Like, we don't see family that often. Like, we see family like every couple of months, which is pretty normal, I guess, for a lot of people. So it's like, well, could we live somewhere that costs half as much, repurpose our capital and put our capital into um, better assets, which are going to produce more income, revenue and growth, live where we want and spend that additional money that we're making and saving on coming back to visit the folks? And I think that's um, I think that's a huge thing that people are really starting to consider. I'm very personally very excited because of what I think is that that despite the fact we've had a lot of um, we'll call them li- liberty challenges, you know, we've been, had restrictions to what we can do and all of that kind of stuff. I think that this is the the turning point of an environment where people suddenly feel free to do what they really want to do because they realise that they don't have to live the way they have been. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, that's we're here to talk about lifestyle drivers, not 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 human psychology. But anyway, <laughs> always <laughs> always about human psychology. So we've covered a lot of stuff. We covered um, why they why people want to live in these kind of locations, the key desirable kind of stuff. You know, water golf courses, high streets. You know, cafe strips. The fact that people are moving towards lifestyle more thanks to COVID-19, risk of volatility, a couple of case studies of a few different locations. Have we missed anything, Gabby, or do you think this episode has been impactful? Both. (laughs) Por que no los dos? Por que no los dos? Um, No, I I think you covered everything. Awesome. Cool, guys. Well, if, if this episode has been beneficial to you, then I highly recommend you check out the other episodes in the Hunting Hotspot series. There's a lot of good stuff in there. We're only up to number four. There's 10. Yes. There are 10. Yeah. So we've still got, we're only 40% of the way through this series and we're going to continue going on talking about each of these independent life, uh, independent driving forces that drive capital growth and drive markets around the country. The important thing to remember when you're listening to any of these is you don't just want to look for one. Just looking for one of these hotspot drivers, i.e. lifestyle features or urban renewal programs, is not enough. You need to seek three or even four to be working together in one place. And once you can actually find those locations that have three to four of these drivers working together, that's when you know you're in a good place to invest. Now, if you can do that as well as getting ahead of other investors, and then you're going to get into get in on the ground level and see the highest range of growth in the shortest period of time. And of course, if you want to help to do that, we do this every single day. Um, we've got an extremely good track record of getting great results for our clients. In fact, over the last 12 months, the average return on investment for our clients is 61.7%. Yeah. Hectic. 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 And we do that by doing everything that we talk about. So you can either come and work with us and we can help you do it and fast track your success or go listen to all the rest of the podcast episodes. Go to theinvestorlab.com.au, download some free resources and guides because if you become a better investor, our society gets better and that's what we ultimately want. Thanks.